Welcome back to Lead Like a Girl. In today's episode, Jessica will be opening up about her experiences with friendship, and you won't want to miss a moment of her inspiring story. But that's not all. Jessica has so much more to share, and we've got a special bonus episode coming later this week. In it, she'll dive deeper into carrying the weight of her secret and the lessons she learned along the way. So stay tuned for that. Get ready to be motivated and empowered as we embark on this journey with Jessica. Let's dive right in. You know, I remember reading a scripture many, many years ago, and I want to say it was in Proverbs, and it said something like, shame shall be the legacy of a fool. And in that moment, I knew that I had to let go of the shame and the guilt that haunted me for all of the bad decisions that I had made. And I really had to just go through this healing process of forgiveness and really just forgiving myself. And I came to the realization that just like I forgave Pauline, like I had to... I I forgave my mom because I realized that she really did the best that she knew how. Like she did not have parents to model how to take care and love your kids the right way, how to be role models and be there. She she didn't have that information. And so she couldn't give me something that she didn't have. And I was just a kid. Just a kid out there to fend for herself, to figure it out. A kid that wanted to be liked, that wanted to be loved, that wanted to be needed. And I just carried a lot of shame. And it wasn't until I would say I was able to really start sharing and talking to other people, creating real friendships. And when I think about friendships, It's funny because as a young little girl, I remember my dad always saying, he just had all of these these crazy sayings. And he used to say, friend, I need a friend. Like I need a hole in my head. I have a friend in Jesus. Now remember, This was not a church-going guy or Bible-reading. It was just something he said, but it stuck with me 
And I really never even learned how to be a friend. Like it's a running joke in our house today that I don't have any friends. My younger sister and my oldest sister, you know, the ones that we grew up in the house, we're the same way. We don't have friends. Like, I mean, now at least I have started in the recent years really understanding the need for friendship, but I am totally that friend that is going to forget your birthday, not call you all the time. I don't have the people where I'm like, hey, let's go to the movies, let's go shopping, like normal friendships. I don't have that, and I'm just starting to establish those relationships in my recent years. So when I think about friendship, I would say my oldest friend, and I think it's okay to mention her name, my oldest friend would be Rosemary. And we met in seventh grade. I can't exactly remember when we met, but I can tell you the situation was such that she was short. We used to call her shorty. And I was, I looked older. I was already pretty developed, let's say, as 11, 12 years old. And I remember kids used to bully her. And one of the things that, in my mind, justified me being a bully is that I was a bully to the bullies. So I would always find girls that were like the underdog and just want to stick up for them. Like, you want to fight someone? Fight someone your own size. And... I wasn't a good friend. And I think that was another thing, too. As I got older, I carried that burden, shame, guilt of just being a horrible friend. I feel like she was a pretty good kid before I came along, teaching her how to steal and how to smoke and how to lie. I just, I wasn't a good friend and she was loyal and she was faithful. She would walk all the way to my house and sometimes wake me up in the morning. She lived right next to the school and she would walk all the way to my house, wake me up and we would walk to school together. She'd walk home with me. We had a lot of good times and the bad times were usually I had a bad idea to do something and she never told me no. She never said this was this is a bad idea. She was down for everything. 
And when I moved away, we lost contact. So we were in seventh grade together, eighth grade together. We went into high school together. And I remember thinking after I left, the right before I left, I'll never forget, we went to a huge, huge high school. I told you in Chicago where there's like 400, 500 freshmen. And she had told me about these girls that were messing with her. And they weren't exactly in a gang. They were in, uh, back then, they were like, they were, they, they called themselves groups. They called themselves the Nike girls. But basically, they were a gang, the bottom line. But she came to me and told me that they were these girls and, you know, they were picking on her and making fun of her. And I'm like, show me, show me who they are, point them out. And she pointed them out. And I'm like, oh, I think those are Nike girls. And she's like, yeah. And I'm just talking all kind of smack because I thought I was just big and bad. And I remember one day one of them told me, you know what? You talk a lot of shit. And one of these days you're going to have to pick your shit up. And I'm like, well, that sounds like a threat. It's like, yeah, it is. That same day, I'm in computer class. I'll never forget it. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, damn, I hope I didn't get myself into some trouble here because she seemed pretty serious. So there was a fire drill. And everybody's going outside. And I'm by myself. I didn't have a crew. It was me and Shorty. That's it. I didn't really hang with a lot of girls in in high school. And when I went outside and I looked to my right, I saw the girl and then another girl and then another girl and a crowd of people behind her walking towards me. And it hit me. I'm done. I'm about to get jumped. So I'm like, what, what, what am I going to do? Like, I have a choice to make here. And I knew there's no way around getting my butt kicked because I'm outnumbered. I'm by myself. And that's a big crowd of people. So in my mind, I said, okay, well, the only option I have is as soon as she gets an arm's reach, I just have to hit her one time because that's the only, that's the only one I'm going to get. And I remember... She got arms reach. I just took my fist, hit her one time, dead in the eye, and that was it. I was on the floor. I remember Air Raid. Those were the shoes that everyone was wearing, and I remember just seeing Air Raids come from everywhere. I covered up my 
face. That was a thing you knew. And I had never been jumped before, but I had witnessed people being jumped. And the thing was just cover up your face. And I covered up my face. And I swear, I felt like that thing lasted for five minutes. And maybe it was only a minute. The police were there. It was, it was bad. If I had to guess, I would say there was at least 15, 20 people hitting me, kicking me, punching me. And I'm like, I think I'm going to die. I think they're going to kill me. Once it was over, the police were there because this was the type of school where you had police officers on the grounds all the time. And they called my sister, Officer Lane. And of course, she was there quickly. And I ended up getting suspended. This was shortly before I left. So my friend and I, we lost contact. But I thought about her a lot. And again, just the guilt of how's she going to make it without me? Who's going to protect her? And by this time, she thinks she's big and bad because she ain't never got her butt whooped. So she's a little shorty walking around talking mad smack to everyone. But that was really my first experience with what I would say a real friendship, like real, real sisterhood. I felt responsible for her. Like she was my little sister, except I think she might be a couple of days older than me. But eventually we got back in contact and she was someone who I could always talk to. I could always share the dumb stuff that I did and wouldn't have to worry about her judging me. She loved me unconditionally. And we're still friends to this day. She is one of my oldest friends. My second friend, which again, the running joke is I've only had two friends in my whole life. And I say, well, and those two friends are still my friends. The other one, we became friends in high school when I was living in the suburbs outside of Chicago in what I call the rich area, going to the rich people's school. And she was my rich friend. Now, I had never experienced, especially, again, not in my neighborhood, not where we came from, where a Mexican family lived in a big house. Her bedroom was probably the size of my first apartment. She had pink carpet. She had a huge closet. She had a nail salon in her bedroom. Literally, table, machine, 
And the way we met is she had dated my cousin. And the funny thing was he had told me, you know, I'm dating this girl and you guys remind me a lot of each other. You look like each other. And funny thing is her name is Jessica too. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, is she Mexican? Is she black? Is she mixed? He was like, well, it's like she's, she, she's Mexican, but a lot of people think she's mixed. When I started going to school, people would come up to me all the time and think that I was her. And they would be like, Jessica. And I'm like, yeah. Did anybody ever tell you you look like someone? Now, I went to Downers Grove North. She went to Downers Grove South. So we went to different schools. Well, we ended up meeting and for lack of better words, it was love at first sight because I'm like, okay, I could see see the resemblance. We hit it off and we, that was, that was my dog. Like we were best friends from that day forward. And we also, at some point of me on the road, running back and forth, Chicago, Kentucky, Kentucky, Chicago, We also lost contact and I ended up calling the Jenny Jones show and getting her parents' phone number. And that's how we got back in contact when I moved back to Chicago. And we worked together for years. I started working for the company. Then she started working for the company. They moved me to California. She moved to California. That was my sister. Like, we lived life as sisters until we didn't. All the years that we were friends, I swear, I don't think we ever, I don't think we ever fought. I don't think we ever fell out. I don't, I can't remember one time, even in high school, like high school girls, you know, they get into it, right? They have, we never fought. We never fell out, at least that I, that I can remember. And She had been dating a guy that I had never met from Chicago, where in California, and I met him for the first time. And the only way I can describe it is... When I met him, there just wasn't any chemistry. Like, I wanted to feel just warm and fuzzy because she's my sister. She is my best friend. Like, we've been 
living life together. Like I can tell her anything. She knows all of it. There may be some things now that I say that may surprise her, but for the most part, she witnessed all of it. And again, real unconditional love. Didn't matter what I was going through, what I needed. Two o'clock in the morning, she was there if I called. A friendship that I know I will never experience again. And I think I just wanted, like you would anybody that you love, you just want them to be happy. You just want the best for them. And in that moment, I just didn't think that he was that one. And I would say that I made the mistake of sharing with her how I felt. But if I had to do it all over again, I would still share with her how I felt. And she thought that I was jealous. She, and, and I can't even really say that I really know what she thought. I believe that I remember her thinking that or, or feeling that. But whatever the case may be, we fell out like this was it. Talk about heartbroken. Like I had been married a couple of times and did not feel the heartbreak that I felt when we fell out. Well, he's living there with her in California. I'm there. My boyfriend at the time, my husband now, we all work together at the same place. Her and I work in one building and those two work in another building. This was not a comfortable situation. I can't even tell you if, if I, I'm, I'm thinking this was years, years we showed up together at the same place, the craziest days, <laughs> and I, and it makes me laugh now, the craziest days is when we would show up to work dressed exactly the same, like twins. We did that a lot over the years, but we don't speak. Okay, we, we, we do not speak. We stopped speaking. We ended the friendship. That was it. And we'd show up to work, walk by each other. No eye contact. We did not speak. Everyone knew it. And this went on for years. But I remember those times where, again, we'd show up in the whole, a whole outfit, just the same. And I'd walk past, I'd try to keep a straight face. And just by the time I got back to my office, I would just crack up to myself. 
and wonder how long is this going to last? We don't talk about that time and I can't even tell you when or the situation of how we made up. I, I really can't because outside of me talking about this right now, I just don't talk about it. We don't, we don't talk about, I can't, I have to be intentional to remember it because here we were years later and it was like we had never even left each other. And they're happily married now. And I'm happy for her. And I love him and I love her. It was just something that we went through and we don't talk every day. We don't communicate all the time, but I just believe that God gifts you with people in your life. Special friendships, special relationships. Throughout the years of working at my previous company at Direct Buy, it was it was a family. I have good friends that I met over the years. And as I've gotten older, we've es established a relationship that I realized my dad was wrong. He was so wrong. But I understand that that lifestyle was such that you just, you couldn't trust people. You didn't have friends. He meant that. But I wish I would have learned the value of friendship early on. And now I want more friends. I'm establishing those relationships in the later years of my life. I have met some really special women that now I have in my life. One of the things I'm really big on is God's word says, seek wise counsel in all that you do. And I have some wise people in my life, women that have been through things and maybe not the same things that I've been through. But we connect. And they help me through life. And I cherish our relationships. And they're still growing. But the relationships that I've had with a handful of really, really special women, I don't know if they realize that they made a difference. When I had no one, they were there. When I couldn't tell anyone, they were there. When I couldn't figure it out, they were there to help me figure it out.
I remember when I knew I mentioned 13 years carrying this heavy, heavy burden. And it was 13 years because it was my oldest, Jonathan's, birthday. When God put it on my heart that it was time to tell him the truth. It was time to lift the shame and the guilt And I asked myself, what is he going to think of me? Is he going to hate me? By this time, I have worked really, really hard for my son to see me as a strong, smart hardworking, independent woman. And I have to tell him the truth. Now, he knew that the person that was my husband, who he knew and called dad at the time, was not his dad, But he didn't know that I didn't even know the name of the person that was. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Lead Like a Girl. We hope you found today's podcast valuable. If you enjoyed our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your preferred platform. Your feedback is crucial in helping us continue to provide high quality content. If you found the content inspiring, we would like to encourage you to share this podcast with your network. Stay tuned for more inspiring stories and leadership insights on Lead Like a Girl. Until next time, lead with passion and purpose.